Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. In uncertain times like these, financial security is at the top of all of our minds. An unexpected vet bill can easily throw your budget off track. And that's where Trupanion, medical insurance for pets, can help. The Trupanion policy is here for expenses you can't plan or budget for, like unexpected new accidents or illnesses. And if you're a breeder, Trupanion also provides a free breeder support program that allows you to send your litters home with a special offer of coverage with waived waiting periods. Give your litters the best start possible in their new homes and sign up today. Just go to the link on my partner page and be sure to mention Pure Dog Talk sent you. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and I have a very important guest for us today. This was an item that I posted up on the Pure Dog Talk Facebook page, if you guys missed it. Patty Strand, who's the director of the National Animal Interest Alliance, you gotta fight for your right. is coming to talk to us about this new California legislation that's been proposed. The bill number is AB702. It is statewide legislation that will have draconian impact on dog and cat breeders. And according to what Patty just told me, it's already been referred to committee. So we really want people to know about this and we want to get the word out about what it is and what people can do about it. So welcome, Patty. Hi there. Nice to be back. Good to hear you. Not necessarily under these circumstances, but it's nice to be back. (laughs) Right. I agree with that. So walk us through what this is and if you have any insight into it, why it is. (laughs) The why is especially hard, you know, Mm -hmm. we work on legislation all the time. And when you actually look at the bill, pull it up, it has no declarations in it. Most bills start with a list of reasons why the bill is being proposed. Right. Whereas overpopulation is filling up our shelters and whereas the dogs are coming from breeders or blah, blah, blah. There'll be a whole list of different reasons why the bill is necessary. This bill strikingly lacks declarations. I don't know. Maybe that's a California thing. I wondered about that. That was one of the things I caught when I read it. And I don't know anything like what you know, but I'm like, why are we doing this? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think because we can, maybe. I don't know. Mm. So many of the things that are required in the bill or that might lead you to understand why they think the bill is important are already being done. Right. They've already been passed into previous laws. Of course, the new things in the bill are the things that we object to, like, you know, having a breeder permit, even if you are someone with just one or two or three dogs, if you're going to breed even one dog or one cat. Basically, in California, if you are selling more than 20 dogs a year or having more than three litters, you're already regulated to some degree. There are certain disclosures that you have to make and You're supposed to be registered with different agencies and so on. Much of what this bill does is just duplicative of that bill, but it extends it to people who might have only one dog or one cat and choose to breed that dog or cat. 
So it really redefines hobby breeders and people who maybe have a pet and they decide that they're going to have a litter. It redefines those people as businesses, basically. Interesting. Yeah, it's really not good. Mm -mm. Dogs and people have been together for quite a while now, like about 15,000 years. And the association is really an important one. And to have government come in and start regulating that relationship, again, when it's not a business relationship, when it's a lifestyle or just a personal relationship that you have is excessive, I guess. We'll put it that way. Mm -hmm. They call the bill the Pet Breeder Humane Care Act, but we will dub it the Humane Breeder Elimination Act or the Breed Extinction Act of 2021. Right. Because there's already a shortage of dogs. I mean, the need for this bill is non-existent. We're importing over a million dogs into the United States right now. One of the things that I found interesting when I read through this, and I have not poured through it like I know you have, is it says that anybody, like you said, even if it's just one litter, has to buy a breeder permit. And if I remember correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong, submit to some level of inspection. Yeah, they have to submit to some level of inspection. And you also have to get a business license and be able to present your tax ID number. So again... There is this association with people just keeping dogs and cats, having an occasional litter with being a business. And so even if a person was in favor of all of this, it's very unlikely in some neighborhoods that you would be granted a business license. So it's one of those things where it demands certain things of you. And many of those things are not possible depending upon where you live. Mm -hmm. One of the things that struck me and walked me through this most people, even you know your average hobby breeder, can't qualify as a business under the IRS standards. You don't make enough money. And so I don't understand the disconnect there. How do they think that's going to happen? I don't know that they think it can happen. I mean, there's nothing that's really logical about this bill. There's no stated reason for the bill. It's just, you know, we think that everybody should be regulated. That's really the dominant message throughout the bill. If you went back into the 90s, you could look at the number of animals entering shelters and you could say, you know, we want to make sure that we reduce the number of irresponsibly bred animals that aren't going to wind up in permanent homes. And, you know, you could make certain kinds of arguments. But today, with a shortage of dogs in the United States and with California receiving most of the dogs they have from out of state and even out of country with some of them, you can't make that argument anymore. And so the argument that they're making is that there needs to be a whole array of things to make sure that you're raising your single dog, your two or three dogs, this non-business arrangement you have with your dogs in a way that the state thinks is appropriate. Well, most animal ordinances, county ordinances, city ordinances, cover basic humane treatment of animals. So it's unnecessary in that regard. So again, you just go back to they want to regulate breeders. They want to regulate everyone who has the ability and from time to time might produce a litter, period. They just want to bring that under government. This has come up in California before. I think many of the people that have been around for a while in the sport will remember a bill called AB 1634. It kept us busy fighting it for almost two years. Mm -hmm. And it was the most intense political fight we've ever had. 
you know, it had a lot of things in it that were the same as this one. And if you go back into the 90s, there was an attempt to do something very similar to this. I think 95, 96, 97, somewhere in there, there was a bill that was introduced that was very similar to this. And interestingly enough, some of the agencies that were involved, I think one's involved with consumer affairs, opposed the bill because it's so unrealistic. The big thing is what happens with a bill like this if it was passed is that the good people, the people who want to be legal and responsible and just want to do everything in their lives in accordance with the laws that are on the books, they're the only ones that are going to sign up for something like this. And it's going to be a very tiny number of people. But hobby dog breeders in particular, and probably cat enthusiasts too, pedigreed cat enthusiasts, this is part of their lifestyle. They are in the business, you might say, not in business to make money, but in the business to preserve their breed and to make sure that they're improving their breed and that the breed is healthy. And you know all this. There's no right. way in the world they qualify as businesses because they spend more money on their dogs and cats than they will ever bring in. Mm -hmm. But what happens with these bills is that the people who don't want to operate in a way that could be viewed as illegal, they just quit. And that's really the dramatic effect that a lot of these bills have had over the years is in their encouragement or discouragement, I should say, of people to continue their lifestyle interests in preserving their breeds. So it can really be devastating in that particular way. It's operating a little bit at a loss just because it doesn't have any particular reason. It's just like, okay, you read down all of the list of the provisions that it wants to add. And it's like, okay, most of these are already in a bill called the Polanco Lockyer Bill that was passed years ago. Most of the provisions in this bill are there or they're in some other version. I mean, California, if you look at what they have right now, they have laws on the books already for virtually everything you can think of regarding dogs and cat breeding and selling and so on. They have outlawed pet stores from selling. They have outlawed right. selling animals from the back of your van in a mall or, you know, off a highway, any place away from your home. Swap, but interestingly enough, <laughs> swap meets, if you follow certain kinds of requirements, you can still do those. Oh my gosh. Oh, great. That's just what I want to do. I want to sell my puppies at a swap meet. Oh yeah, what? yes. <laughs> That's the thing, Laura, that drives me the nuttiest is, you know, there have always been certain things all of us would like to see improved. You know, anybody who lives and works with animals, instinctively is humane. You don't want to see them mistreated. But it's just the overall misdirection of so many of the animal bills that get introduced. They're introduced by people who have some kind of ideological point of view about how animals should be raised or have some point of view about how they're sure they are being raised. And they proceed then to write bills that don't target the right thing. I mean, I could come up with a list of four or five different things. I'm not a big proponent of new laws per se. I don't just sit around and try to think of what kind of new law we should pass. But, you know, if there was a given area that we were talking about where there was a problem, you could write something that could target that specifically without catching everybody in the same net. And that's the problem with these bills that are so misdirected is that they wind up having an effect way beyond what they claim they're trying to do. Although, like I said earlier, and five times now, this bill doesn't claim to do anything. It just says we want to regulate you. Yeah, it just says, if I remember, I'm catch me if I get this wrong, but you're only allowed one litter each year of cat or dog. 
and just like mind boggling as I was reading through it. I'm thinking, why, what? <laughs> well, you know, you are allowed to breed your dog or your cat one time a year, which you know, for dogs, sometimes it's hard to have more. It would be difficult in some cases, depending on how they cycle, to have more than one litter a year. But for cats, this is pretty devastating. Cats come back into heat. I don't know if that's what they call it in cats. But a lot of the things that they recommend in this bill would be a real invitation for Pyometra in the cat. They breed much younger than dogs do, and they breed very often. And so Mm -hmm. that particular provision would be devastating for a serious cat breeder that's trying Mm -hmm. to keep their females healthy and so on. Mm -hmm. So yeah, basically converting hobby dog breeders and just pet owners to businesses and it doesn't work, not possible. Pet owners don't generally have an IRS tax number. Uh, Hobby breeders don't either. Right. So, yeah. And if I remember, I saw something in there about it's an accidental breeding, right? Something happens accidentally. They still say you have to be registered. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's got every idea in it that, you know, anybody has ever thought caused some sort of a problem. But right now, the number of dogs in households that are already neutered is 85%, Laura. Wow. 85% of household dogs. So 15% of household dogs are intact and -hmm. capable of breeding, but it's only a fraction of those dogs that are going to be bred. As you know, there's good health reasons in some cases to keep your dog or cat intact. Right. So it's a very small percentage of the population that they're going after today. And there's a negative correlation in their minds between being intact and capable of breeding. And so they're going after that particular small segment now. But Social Compassion and Legislation is the group that's behind this, and that's Judy Mancuso. And a lot of the bills that she has put forward are put forward on the basis of some sort of good intentions, I guess. Mm -hmm. But the bills, AB 1634, the one that we fought in 2007 and 8, 2006 and 7, somewhere in there, was like this. It was so misguided. The intentions might have been good, but the outcome of her bill would have been devastating had it been passed. And we had to fight that tooth and tongue. So when she comes up with a bill, I don't know what it is that she convinces the lawmakers of, but you can't just discount the bills she brings forward, no matter how misdirected they might be. She seems to have a big following in the legislature. It may be because of the donations that they make. You can look up the, you know, their act, their involvement in politics by going to a site named Open Secrets, for instance, and you can see the donations that they make to different lawmen. I mean, I have no idea if that's what it is, but one of the things that we have found with her bills is no matter how misdirected they are, or no matter how small a segment it is of the public that actually would support it, could be a very small minority position that would actually support it. The lawmakers stick with her (laughs) all the Hmm. way through. Interesting. So you can't discount the bill she brings forward. And so, Patty, what specifically, now you said it's been referred to committee, and you said may, may be heard on March 19th. Yeah. That's that's, maybe. Yeah, that's what the notes say. It's not been scheduled, in other words. They obviously have some kind of internal scheduling that leads them to believe that this is the likely date for it to be heard according to their schedule. 
but it hasn't been scheduled yet. So basically we're in kind of a holding pattern. We're doing some writing on the subject. I will be doing a couple talk shows in the LA area in the coming weeks, but it really is very early in the process and we don't want to get everybody writing right at this moment in time. I mean, it's fine. And we have recommended that people can contact their own lawmaker or they can contact the bill sponsor right now. And we have Mm -hmm. the information about how to do that on our website. But we're not really gearing people up for the full-on fight at this point because we don't know yet exactly what the nature of that fight is going to be. Okay. You know, right now we're hoping that Representative or Assembly Member Santiago just withdraws the bill, that he looks at it and recognizes that this is something that is very unpopular and even more unnecessary. You know, it's Mm -hmm. just not something that's necessary. The likelihood of that happening, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, given the fact that it's brought forward by this particular group, I'm not looking at that with a great deal of hope and optimism. We are encouraging people to write them directly and let them know. Now, I'm sure that when Judy Mancuso and her group goes in and they pitch these bills, they tell them, you're going to be hearing from a group of people and they're going to be really passionate and telling you to withdraw. And probably there's a caricature that's assigned to the kinds of people that are going to be calling in, you know, don't pay any attention. It's just this small whatever. So again, I don't really expect that that's going to be successful, but you never know. I've seen a couple very good letters written by people, by hobby dog breeders and a few by some cat fanciers too that are quite eloquent, and it's possible that he will look at this and say, yeah, maybe this isn't the right time for this particular bill. Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. All right, crew, check it. Dog events are happening. For exhibitors who are able and willing to attend these events... It feels as if our tribe has been reunited once again. Meanwhile, for folks who are continuing to feel safest staying at home and away from crowds, and for folks who are driving long haul between far-flung events, I gotcha. I've been working hard to bring you all podcast episodes that help you feel connected to our larger community and offer opportunities for education and entertainment, no matter how you have managed through this truly overwhelming year. One of my favorite events this year is the monthly virtual Pure Dog Talk After Dark for patrons of our podcast. Anybody can join this fabulous community of dog enthusiasts by visiting the website and clicking on the Become a Patron link on the homepage. And while you're there zooming around on the site, you might think about checking out our shopping tab too. We've linked dog show vendors from all around the country so you can help support them during this really grueling loss of income suffered due to a lack of events. There's even a swag link that lets you order your Pure Dog Talk t-shirt, sweatshirt, fan case, mask, (laughs) ringside towel, and so much more. Like the NPR of dogdom, Pure Dog Talk is here for you every day, 
to make sense out of everyday things, to add nuance to your understanding and tools to your tech box, to bring history to life and propel the living history of purebred dogs into the future. So check out the links at www.puredogtalk.com. Your support adds up to a huge voice for purebred dogs. Patty, do you have a sample that we can link to that someone could, if they wanted to, you know, reach out to their lawmaker on this topic? Do you have a sample of something that you found to be persuasive and powerful? Yeah, here's what we're going to do. First of all, I would recommend to your listeners, and this is whether they're in California or in a different state, because tomorrow it could be another state that has a crazy bill like this. In fact, we're working on about 16 bills right now in different states. So first of all, they should come to naiatrust.org. Yep, we'll link to it. And down the right side of the menu bar, I think the first thing up is subscribe to our mailing list. If they're subscribed to our mailing list, they will get our alerts. Okay. Californians will get the bills for California. Arizonans mm-hmm. will get the bills for Arizona, et cetera. There's also a link on there that says find your representative or find your elected official. Which is super useful. I have to tell you, I've used it. I love it. <laughs> it is. It's so easy. It's just so straightforward. Right. And then third on that same page, actually third and fourth, there is another tab that says current NAIA trust campaigns. And if you go there now, you're going to see that at the very top of the list, there's only two items in there right now, our federal bill and this one, you'll see that 702 is there. And so you can read all the things that we say about it there. And it also tells you to go ahead and contact assembly member Santiago and so on. And then if you go down a little bit further, it has another tab that says, learn the basics or something like that. I'm not looking at it. Yeah. And that's really good because that tells you how to write your letter. Now, answering your question specifically, Laura, at the time that this is scheduled, we will at that point be putting out another alert and it will have very specific items in it. Messaging, you'll be able to select a particular message or two that is Mm -hmm. most important to you or you can just write your own letter. We don't prevent people from saying what they want to say, but we'll have this offering for them. Well, talking points, I think that's super important. And I think anytime we deal with legislation, and you and I have talked about this before, like everybody feels really passionate about it, but being able to make the specific point that's actually going to resonate with the lawmaker, I think is a special skill. I think that one of the big messages for this is that, you know, I joked at the very beginning and said you could also call this bill the Dog Breeder or or Cat Breeder Elimination Act of 2021 or the Breed Extinction Act of 2021. Mm -hmm. It's really true. Unfortunately, we have to do a lot of work to educate the public and lawmakers about the really dramatic changes that have occurred with pet populations in the United States. And they are not aware. And this is really important to get across to everybody we work with. Right now, there's about 87 million dogs in households in the United States. And every year, between 8 and 9 million of those dogs pass away. So that's the number of dogs you need to replace the ones 
that die every year just to maintain household numbers of dogs as it is today. We are not able to do that now. We're already at a loss. And we know this because over a million dogs are being imported into the United States to meet demand. And so every time a misdirected bill is passed, maybe with the greatest of intentions, but just misdirected so that it encourages people who are hobby breeders and doing the best possible job that's done by anybody, it discourages them from continuing. Every time somebody else quits, you're going to be getting more dogs from sources that are not nearly as good as the ones that are in place now. And there's no real recognition of that. And this has been a problem from the beginning of time working on animal legislation, the absolute inability of lawmakers to distinguish among the different types of producers and breeders and so on. And so that is one of the things that we're going to be paying a lot of attention to in the messaging that we do, just putting before them factual information about it that they can look up themselves in two seconds. We have the CDC report showing that a million point oh six dogs were imported in 2018. That's the only year for which that sort of report's been done. We know that that is ongoing and increasing every year as American breeders quit breeding for a variety of reasons. And in California, the breeders that are left, they have closed down pet stores. They have regulated many, many, many breeders that used to produce dogs out of existence already. So This is really going to be targeting those very small breeders, like the hobby breeders and the occasional pet owner that has a litter for elimination, basically. And again, I don't know that the lawmakers really understand that because I don't think that they understand how the dog marketplace really works. I don't don't think they have a clue. Right. One thing I would recommend also to people who just want to learn a little bit more about this We have another website called Discover Animals. Yes. And there's a pet section there, and there's a particular page for dogs. And I would really recommend that people go into the Dog Finder's Guide, and they can click on the links at the top and go to the section that they're interested in. But it really lays out all the different categories of people who are breeding dogs and the different sources where you can find these dogs in the marketplace, whether They are to be found going directly to a breeder, for instance, a hobby breeder or not in the state of California. You certainly couldn't go to a pet store. Talks about Mm -hmm. online sellers, sight unseen sellers, et cetera. And I think it would just be really helpful even to people in our community to better familiarize themselves with how this whole marketplace is shaped. And right now, again, this particular bill aims at the best breeders that you can find probably anywhere in the world, not just in California or in the United States. Right. Well, and I think to me, that's just the most depressing part of it. The people that are doing it right, the people who are producing, what, 1% of that 9 million replacement dogs needed, I mean, that's who you're going to take out. Yeah. So, yeah, when you think about, you know, the fact that this million dogs that came in, that's an eighth of the dog marketplace. That's how short we are right now on American bred dogs. And that should become important. There isn't anybody really claiming that the dogs produced in the United States are somehow inferior to some other place. I mean, everybody recognizes that because of the good works of the AKC Canine Health Foundation and the AKC itself and so on, and also I would say groups like Cat Fanciers and the Wind Foundation, that 
we're the ones that are putting in the effort to make sure that these dogs are healthy and are going to be long lived and, you know, lifetime companions for the people who take them into their homes. So to target us in the particular way that are just doesn't make any sense if you really understand that. Right. You know me, you've talked to me enough, you know my thing. Education is the answer to everything. So if we think of it as just educating lawmakers, like they don't know. And so one of the things that you said early on when I interviewed you one of the first times is that we are subject matter experts. And I love that and that language and that concept and thinking of ourselves that way when we communicate with people who are not subject matter experts, right? Yeah, we are the hands-on subject matter experts. We are the ones who really understand this. And again, that is why the messaging that we'll put out, the talking points that we'll put in our next alert when this is actually scheduled for a hearing, is going to offer all kinds of information so that everyone from our own people to the lawmakers will get a better understanding of this. It will be very educational because that is what's needed. It's not an argument. It's just they need to understand how the dog marketplace is comprised now, what the challenges are. We did a study, a scientific study, I think year before last, it was published in Clinical Theriogenology, and it was how outdated perceptions are reshaping the dog marketplace. And it talks about this subject. It talks about, basically, there are more dogs in households in the United States today at any time in our history, but the sources of those dogs has changed dramatically in the last 20 years. And I think a thoughtful, careful, scientific evaluation of how those sources have changed will not tell you it's been a good result because the people who are the most likely to be willing to be licensed, who want to be licensed and lawful, are the people who, when they can't be, when they can't operate lawfully, just quit. And there has been an enormous decrease in the number of people who are working with their breeds in a way to improve and preserve them. And a flood of dogs coming into the country, the million dogs we talked about. You know, in the United States, Laura, there's about 35 states. The dog populations in about 35 states are in equilibrium or there are no longer enough dogs to meet demand. The thing that confuses the issue is that there are some states where there are still severe surpluses of dogs. Those dogs get moved around the country with humane relocation programs. I would say California is one of the big recipients of a lot of these dogs coming in from Arizona and coming in from Texas and Oklahoma and some of the states. Southeast, I think, is one of the ones that I've heard. Isn't that correct? A lot of the Southeast states. Yeah, pretty much of the, you know, the 15 states that are still having problems. Most of them are, are right there. Mm -hmm. For sure. And so California is the recipient of that. Now, if you are somebody who is working at a humane society and that is your filter, that is your perspective on the world, you're wanting to save these dogs, bringing those dogs into California is going to seem to you to be the most humane thing to do. But from a lot of standpoints, including the consumer standpoint, it is not because the dogs that are coming in, whether they're foreign bred or whether they are from death row as they market their rescue dogs and so on from a Southern state. They don't have histories. Some of them are fine and they make wonderful pets and I don't ever knock dogs in rescue. Our group has a rescue of its own. We have Homes for Animal Heroes. So there's an absolute and important place for rescue. 
but it's not for everyone. And certainly there are people who want to be able to raise a dog from the time that it's a young dog on so that it will develop the traits, characteristics, personality, and so on that goes with that particular family's lifestyle. So not every household wants or needs the same kind of dog, but there are many households that would like to be able to find a breed of their choice, maybe a breed that they're familiar with from their childhood, and raise it from the time it's a puppy onward. And with nothing but rescue dogs available or with them being continually marketed as the best and most humane choice, all other choices are decreasing. Right. And I think that the predictability of a purebred dog, the ability to know the background of the dog that you've gotten, that it's had early neurological stimulation, that it's health tested, you know, all of those things for a lot of people, that is a big deal. And removing that already limited ability to acquire the purebred dog of your choice seems to me to be counterproductive. Hmm? Yeah, I think to put it mildly, I think that's a good way of of talking about it. Well, the public doesn't realize that these breeds that they were raised with 25, 35 years ago are going away. I do think that there's a big turnaround right now that we've seen during COVID. Purebred dogs do seem to be rising in the public. We have seen in this last year a marked increase in the number of purebred dogs being registered. We know that. When you go over to Social Compassion in Legislation, the website, the group behind this bill, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. one of the things they talk about, now the bill itself has no declarations, but in their write-up, they say things like, They're very, very worried about people getting rid of dogs after acquiring them during COVID. Well, that is something that a lot of different groups have talked about. And Marty Greer on our board that I know you interview quite often wrote a book Mm -hmm. called Your Pandemic Puppy that talks about the need to raise them properly so that they don't become unruly teenagers and wind up filling up shelters later. But as you said a little bit earlier, that's really an education issue. And I think Marty really treated that very, very well in her book that it's a great book. This is about encouraging people to understand that there's obedience or puppy training classes in their area, that this is necessary, that there are videos online to just bring this information to people who have these dogs so that it can turn out right. So anyway, there is that assumption, I guess, on the part of the people who brought this forward that there's going to be a terrible problem with dumping dogs. But in California, the dogs that are going to be dumped are the ones that are being most often taken into homes. And today, that's not the purebred dogs that are bred by the small breeders. It's the ones that are coming in from out of state for rescue primarily. Absolutely. All right. Well, Patty, we are at time. I really, really appreciate your time on this and your information and your knowledge. And listeners, we will have a ton of links for you to follow up on and kind of drill down into some of this information and definitely stay tuned, stay in touch with NAIA Trust. The NAIA Trust really gives you the information and that's where you need to stay tuned. And I believe we need to pay attention to this. This is not something that we can just say, oh, let's let somebody else deal with it. This is we have to pay attention to. If it isn't withdrawn before the hearing, and I don't really think that will happen, then Mm -hmm. we're going to be mustering all of our energy. In the state of California, in our database, we have over 4,500 people, Laura, 
and we will be reaching out to them. We will be reaching out to them with good messaging, a lot of talking points, and giving them very specific direction. Again, it's a little too early to be doing that right now mm-hmm. because we could be misdirecting you. Things could change. Mm-hmm. And we also don't want to wear people out before there's right. a real need for them to roll up their sleeves and get involved. That's why you stay in touch with the NAIA Trust page so you know when it's time to round up the cavalry, right? That's right. That's exactly right. Thank you. Excellent. All right. Thanks so much, Patty. You're welcome. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our Dog Show Superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers Desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk. 